morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Happy playoff. Divisional weekend. Divisional weekend, Saturday. I am sports family therapist and Cowboys fan extraordinaire, Dr. Lauren Defense. That's my amazing colors. Don't worry, y'all. Don't worry, y'all. Don't worry. We we don't have a full-blown conversation about this. You know, <laughs> my grandma had my grandma had a saying. That's why his what brain looks like it's coming out the top of his head. Because Zoom is still acting crazy. <laughs> Zoom is still so y'all know Zoom is acting crazy, but we're gonna make it do what it do. It's okay. Go ahead, Mark. We all we all about we all about adjusting and audible and over here at mm-hmm. House Talk Pre-Game. So you know we do what we gotta do. But um, my grandma had a saying, you know, um, what don't come out in the wash will sure enough come out in the rinse. Uh, so can I, can uh, I tell them know. that ignorant message you did to me last week? So, <laughs> so look, y'all. So I'm sitting there minding my own business because I'm not a trash talker. I'm minding my own business, getting ready for the game. And who do I get a text from with a video attached? But my amazing <laughs> co-host where he has already started to corrupt his year and a half old son. And he says, Eli, are the Cowboys gonna lose today? And Eli says, yes, and throws himself (laughs) on the couch. Really, that's what we're doing. And he's laughing just like he's doing, just ignorance. Who teaches their year and a half old child to be ignorant already? He could have at least waited till he was five and started school. But no, he teaching the baby bad habits already. I'm child protective services on you. Hey, look, hey, you know, um, sometimes, sometimes it's just in them, you know, like it's crazy because like he knows exactly what I'm asking, because if I mm-hmm. ask him, like, do you want to go to sleep? Do you want to mm-hmm. do this? Do you want to do that? He don't answer. But for some of his something in his new spirit his new soul so only a year and a half old like soul just got here ain't even any even an old soul it's a young brand new soul yeah brand new for after something, something just touched his spirit to just yell out yeah the moment i asked that question now i didn't force him to say yeah i didn't egg him on and say yeah i didn't have like no little treat to the Lies. side or pat pat in my hand he took his pat out and said yeah and put it right He's lying. He coached that baby to be rude to me. <laughs> and all I've ever done is show them love. But it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Man, we got we got a great we got a great divisional weekend set. I'm I'm excited for the football this weekend. I, I'm I'm liking the matchups. Yeah. I mean, do you know that every the remaining eight quarterbacks in the um the playoffs right now are all under the age of 30? Are they? The new the new generation of gunslingers okay. is officially here. Yeah. I think Patrick Mahomes is the oldest and he's 29. Well, yeah, yeah. And then it's Dak and then all the rest. No, I'm sorry. Dak, I think Dak is 29. Dak is 28, 29. And then Patrick Mahomes and then the other way. Yeah, then the rest of it. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited. We got some real good football here this weekend. Um, I've already let uh, Dr. Pitt's husband know that uh, her team is on the clock tonight. Um, His team. My team don't play till tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, her her team don't play tomorrow, you know, but you know, 
we're not gonna get into that. We're not gonna get into that too much. We're not gonna do nothing. You know, sip from sip from your little cup if your cup if runneth over. Ooh, you know, I just spilled it. Can't mm. clean it up till after the show. Oops. Mm. Mm. I hope that don't spill the ball tomorrow. Yeah, you act just ignorant and black all your life. I be. I gotta let people know I'm mm -hmm. black. In, I'm black in many ways. All right, you know. He's <laughs> simple in many ways. My half white compadres, you know, they um, they they acknowledge me, but you know, sometimes hey, Ronnie, they don't invite me to the I'm gonna, I'm gonna wipe it up with my towel. Let me see. That's about all that's good for is cleaning up messes. That's about it. Uh, -uh don't do that. Well, do y'all, we ha we have actually a, a really um kind of cool and interesting topic today. You know, I don't think I don't mm -hmm. think we've done this one before, in to my mm -hmm. recollection. No, but, we haven't. Um, we're talking about sports myths today. You know. Um, you know, a lot of times people, you know, they have a lot of wild conspiracies and thoughts about, you know, sports and what it takes to be good at this and what you should do with that and everything. You know, everybody's a mm -hmm. coach, everybody's a trainer, everybody's a guru at something related to sports. So we're going to be talking about some sports, you know, some sports myths and some theories and whatnot that have been floating around there. And, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of have a conversation about it. Today's today's mm -hmm. kind of a, you know, a laid back, chill kind of topic. Yeah, yeah, you know, kind of like a, a, a heavy, feng shui type heavy. Of, yeah, kind of a feng shui wusa, you know, kind of like that, you know, nothing too crazy today. We're not getting too controversial, I don't think, you know. Uh -uh. Like for example, they say the real reason Michael Jordan retired after the '93 season was because he owed a lot of money to some gamblers, and you know, the NBA said you got to go sit down. But hey, you know. We're not gonna get into all that today. That's a little bit out there, but you know, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about some things. And you know, also, sure. you know, what it takes to be, you know, the best, you know, athlete that you can possibly be as far as you know, mm -hmm. training, preparation, things like that. Some myths around that, um, yeah. and also some some good things that you can actually, you know, hold on to and use for your, you know, for your your athletes out there. So I, I like today's topic. We haven't done this one before. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know, we always got to come on here and you know be semi serious and everything. You know, mm -hmm. semi-serious because you know you're the serious one. I'm the semi one, so you know. Uh, you know that. You know what's so funny about that is that I, my husband says that he wondered what people would do if they knew that I really didn't have no sense. <laughs> he says it all the time. He was like, "You so serious?" He said, "You so serious all the time." He said, "What do you think your clients would say, or if your audience knew that you really have no sense?" I was like, why would you say that? Because it's the truth. See, most of my majority of my client uh, population is kids. So my kids, my kid clients know I'm a I'm a big ass kid, and I and I let that I let that be I let that be known in in, in the first session. Like I'm a I'm just a bigger kid than you. I'm a, I'm a bigger kid with a little in touch bit with your more inner toys. child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all the way into my inner child. Wow. You know. The inner child, the 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 savior teen, all them things. I'm I'm in tune with all of them. You know what? <laughs> you know I you know because kid Ronnie love the kids. You know kids need love too. You know, like Frederick Douglass said, it's e it's easier to repair a, a a wounded child than a broken man. So you Ooh, know that's good. Yeah, that's good. you know. So you I know, have, I, I'm a 55 year old big kid too, but you know, time plays everything. My family knows. <laughs> and today's the first and today's the first day of the most wonderful time of the year it's aquarius season shout out to all my fellow aquariuses out there it's our time between now and february 21st so you know we're gonna do what we gotta do 
the other the other zodiac signs mean nothing between now and next month. Um, but shout out to my Gemini's and Libras. Well, not to my Libras. I don't really get along with Libras like that. But shout out to my Gemini's out there. I don't have no issues with Gemini's. Y'all get a terrible rep like we do. We get called all these. I'm things. married to a Gemini. Shout out to all my Gemini's. We're gonna <laughs> hold it down. We gonna hold on. Is Eric a May or June Gemini? He is a May. Oh, oh. He oh, is a um, May Gemini. Um okay. well, so so let me so let me preface this a little bit more specifically. <clears throat> so, you know, there is a vast difference. You you might recognize this, you know, when you when I when I paint this. So I always say like, cause you know how like the zodiacs the dates start like at the end of a month and go between mm-hmm. the beginning of the next month, right? So, mm-hmm. for example, my January Aquarius is right. My my brethren is, is That's sister. my mommy. My mom's birthday's on Thursday. She's a January Aquarius. Yes. So you might so you might you might agree with this. So what I've noticed is that when the new zodiac you know dates start and everything for each zodiac sign. The first, you know, first half, I like to call them the emotional ones, right? You know, so like, so my January Aquarius from January 21st through the 31st, that that group of people right there, they tend to be more on the, you know, emotional side, meaning that, you know, they're a little bit more, they lead with their emotions a little bit more, right? I don't know something to that. The, the <laughs> back half from the 1st through the 20th, right? That back half of the Zodiac. You know, we get kind we get kind of called more of the stoic, uh, you know, more uh mm-hmm. in your face, matter of fact, blunt. Yeah. Um, you know, so that part right there. So, you know, when you say Eric is a May Gemini, um, May Gemini's, you know, Gemini's have a very, you know, I don't know why I, my son's a Gemini. Well, from so a, from so his birthday is May 22nd, Ronnie. So from uh, he right on the cusp. So from May 22nd until what's the end date for Gemini's? June, I think June 21st. Okay. So from like May 22nd to like June the 12th, he's Eric. From June the 13th <laughs> to June the 21st, he's Reginald. And depending on who's hold on, who's Reginald? That's his middle name. That's his evil twin. Oh, we're, okay. <laughs> his evil twin is Reginald. <laughs> that was his dad's name. <laughs> so dependent upon you know what's going on his his if his inner reggie comes out that's a problem <laughs> that, that's a, people don't know because i'm telling you because people think that he, he hear me talking about him he listen people think he's really 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 passive and i'm like no passive aggressive he's not <laughs> and you know passive aggressive people some of the craziest people on the face of the earth he he's not passive he's passive aggressive and it it's you know, I'm just Gemini's I, Gemini's possess that skill very well. My son and is Dr. Maiden's a Gemini. Dr. Maiden's birthday is June the 9th, and we already know it's like you know, for, I knew I knew half, him he's, cool he's Brian, and the and the other half he's Scott. That's his middle name, Brian Scott. He it all depends I knew, on I knew me. get Brian or you get I Scott. Knew, I knew me, I knew me and Doc and Dr. Maiden was 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 like that. I, I couldn't figure out why, but I knew it, I knew it. But yeah, so you know, for people out there listening, you know, now I'm not ju- I'm not judging, I'm not judging. I'm just I'm just yeah, giving yeah. an observation that I made, you know, mm-hmm. that typically the first half of the zodiacs, oh, that little emotional, just a little bit, just a little bit. That back half, 
see i'm a february aquarius so you know i get i get called all types of you know unemotional just uh, a-hole you know rude. flat aspect having dismissive yeah. avoiding insecure attachment style having <laughs> no emo cold rigid disconnected unfeeling having all those clinical tips yeah and i'm just like is it that or is it that i'm so well versed in my emotions that sometimes it don't even require an emotional response. Do you have a high EQ, Ronnie, in your opinion? I do now. I do now. And if you'd ask me, if, if you'd ask me like maybe, I put it to you like this, 29-year-old Ronnie and 19-year-old Ronnie, vastly different, vastly. 19-year-old Ronnie was very emotional and very, um, what um I'm I wasn't impulsive per se, but I was gonna speak my mind on my emotions more so than not. 29-year-old Ronnie, way more reserved. If you get a reaction out of me, you probably deserve it. I'll put can it to we, you like that. Can we start there, Ronnie? Can can we debunk the myth around and I and I wanna zero in on this myth? And and I don't know, I guess probably to a degree it's applicable for men across all ethnic groups, but I know that it's definitely applicable among black and brown men. And that myth is that for men, if you show emotion, you're weak. Speak to that. Oh, man. Mm. Well, I preach that. I preach that every day. So, and, I, and so let me, so let me provide a little context to that. So mm -hmm. know, my father is a, a baby boomer. Um, mm -hmm. mid baby boomer too you know born in mm -hmm. the mid 50s and everything mm -hmm. um black man like I'm talking about like you know me and him mm -hmm. like day and night like I'm I'm about as light-skinned white as you can be mm -hmm. black like mm -hmm. just blickety black black you know <laughs> so disrespectful so you gotta let people know so that they don't think that you've been ignorant oh, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, he I'm, is biracial yeah, I'm, I'm biracial people. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too, I'm it's too white for the black kids, and I'm too black for the white kids. All right, that's how I try to describe <laughs> it. You know, I'm just in the middle. I'm a panda bear, just not Chinese. You know, but I, if I smile, you know, I look. So you know, hey. But so, growing up, you know, one of the things that I never really saw from my dad was emotions. Mm -hmm. um, the only emotion that I used to always see my dad really express very well was anger. You know, um, and I think a lot of times, especially black men and black women, um, mm -hmm. they get this, you know, well, the only emotion y'all ever seem to be good at is expressing anger. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so for me, though, I was kind of the opposite. You know, I was a very emotional kid. Like, you know, if I if I was upset, I was going to cry. If I was mad, I'll be mad. If I was happy, mm -hmm. be all over the place. So I was I wore my emotions on my sleeve, as some might say. Mm -hmm. um, and I never forget it. Like, I remember the first football game, um, my first year playing football, we lost in the second round of the playoffs. And I cried like a baby. Like, I mean, I was mm -hmm. boo -hoo crying. You know, I, you'd have thought I lost somebody or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dad simply was just like, what you crying for? You lost the game. Mm -hmm. We'll be back next year. Kept mm -hmm. it pushing. I'm just like... <laughs> You don't understand. What's that crying? Mm -hmm. You know, like crying was not something that my dad really, you know, subscribed really to. With. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. like I've never seen my dad cry a day in his life. Never. Wow. Never. His dad, I've never seen my dad shed a tear. Wow. Never. And you know, I know we're not supposed to say never. In 29 and 11 months and some change, mm-hmm. I've never seen my dad shed one tear. Wow. Wow. And you know, like, so for me, and there was a period for a long, I tell people there was a period of about eight years I didn't shed a tear. Wow. You know, like I didn't cry. I just just held it in, just kept it to myself because mm-hmm. I I was conditioned to believe that men who express their emotions, you were weak, you were emotional, you were, mm-hmm. you know, the P word, you know, you was, you know, soft and all those other types mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I, I, you know, I got older and I, you know, started to really get into the field of mental health and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I make it a, a, a priority, especially when I have young male clients, is mm-hmm. the first thing I tell them is the most bravest men in the world, the most courageous, strong men in the world are those who are in tune with their emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, if we weren't given, if we weren't given the ability to cry, we wouldn't have it. See, the, 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 amazing, the amazing thing about our bodies and evolution and things like that is that mm-hmm. over the billion, well, not billion, because humans ain't been around billions of years, but about the hundred of thousands of years that humans have been around, mm-hmm. our bodies have biologically adapted to our needs, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, this human physical body that we have here is tuned and designed to withstand a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I always tell people, our emotions are like when you get a brand new car that has all the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. They're indicators. They're notifications. They are alerts. They're alarm systems within right. us to let us know what we're perceiving, what we're experiencing, what we're seeing, mm-hmm. doing, hearing. All those things that our five senses intake and process all the time, mm-hmm. our feelings are the indicator for us to know like, oh, okay, I should be mad in yeah. this situation. Or, oh, man, that yeah. man, that's really sad. Like, yeah. so... And I always tell people, you know, a weak man is somebody who ignores and refuses to acknowledge their feelings. Yeah. You know, it takes it takes more strength to bottle up your emotions than it does to let them out. And, you know, I think it's I think it's a detriment in our society today because we what we have is we have a lot of and I and I just speak for men. I'm not going to speak for women because I'm not one. But mm-hmm. for men, we have a lot of disgruntled, pissed off, tired, overstimulated, you know, just under, you know, underappreciated men, one, because they all, majority of them have a very hard time recognizing their emotions they're feeling, and more importantly, why they're feeling them. That's, that's good, Ronnie. And, and one of the things that I, that I say, I don't want to piggyback on that from a clinical perspective, too. You know, I, I literally just said this earlier this week because my my caseload is couples heavy right now. And mm-hmm. one of those common themes that keeps coming up is a lack of emotional availability and people having a very low EQ. And for folks that don't know, so your EQ is your emotional quotient. You know, your intelligence, your IQ is your intelligence quotient. Well, for us clinically, your EQ is Mm -hmm. your emotional quotient, or in other words, your emotional intelligence. So what I'm seeing a lot in the couples that I serve is that there's this discrepancy 
where emotional availability is concerned. People, and it's not just the men, it's doing too. It's, it's, it's an issue across the board. Mm-hmm. And, and the interpretation of what it means to show emotion. And I believe that there's a cultural stigma that we face as black and brown persons connected to what it means to to openly discuss your feelings and um can i throw this in there real quick and and get you to elaborate on this yeah go ahead one and and i and i'll speak and i want you to and i want you to speak from the the female perspective on this because i think i think you know your answer can be very you know clarifying for a lot of people when you talk about couples Mm -hmm. and everything and you talk Mm -hmm. about the men being, you know, emotionally unavailable within, mm-hmm. you know, the realm of a, a relationship. Mm-hmm. So I'm married, been in a relationship for, you know, coming up on nine years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, sometimes, you know, my wife, um, I, I don't think she'll mind me sharing this. Sometimes my wife will say that I'm emotionless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I hear her say that, you know, in my mind, I always kind of chuckle a little bit because I'm just like me, like, Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty emotional person like you know if mm-hmm. nine times out of ten mm-hmm. you know you probably have a good idea of how I'm feeling in that moment mm-hmm. but one of the things that I've learned through talking to other men and listening to other men and things like that is you know oftentimes I think why men are perceived as emotionless or emotionally unavailable within relationships is is that oftentimes we don't feel we don't feel comfortable enough sharing vulnerable emotions with our partners because by nature, women are, are warriors. Can, I, can warriors I pause too. you right there for a minute? Because yeah. I, wanna, I wanna just, and I just wanna add this. So folks, what he just said is, and I say this to my clients, I have female clients that get pissed off at me almost every day. I mm-hmm. said, why is he not talking to you? He's not talking to you because you're not creating an emotionally safe space for him to do so. Who wants to be vulnerable and transparent with somebody who's and clapping back all the time? Don't nobody want to do that. Right. Nobody going to talk to you. Y'all will shut down every single solitary time if when you open your mouth, we're ripping your head off. You're I wouldn't talk. Go ahead. <clears throat> and 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 a lot of times that a lot of times that's the reason because you know for I think and I, and I'm not trying to be over general generalizing or anything like this, but I'm just <laughs> speaking from personal experience and just talking to a lot of couples and men and women yeah. and stuff like that yeah i think for us as men we like to keep things very simple mm-hmm. you know like we're we're fixers by nature mm-hmm. if there's an issue we're gonna figure out how to fix it mm-hmm. like we don't dwell on it we don't worry about it we don't allow it mm-hmm. to you know ruin our day if mm-hmm. there's something wrong we fix mm-hmm. that's what we do Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, females more times than not, when there's an issue that arises, they worry, they panic, they get, you know, doubtful, they get worried, mm-hmm. concerned, all those type of things. One of the things that I've noticed within couples and, you know, just speaking with men and women is that sometimes women will allow their anxiety to come out in a way that is, you know, concerning to a man who's been, who expresses their emotions. And what I mean by that is, let's say, mm-hmm. for example, Let's say your your man is, you know, going through a rough time, you know, whether it's at mm-hmm. work, whether it's just personal, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're just having a, a, a down moment, you know, they're not, they're not mm-hmm. feeling themselves like things either at work or not going the right way, 
you know, mm-hmm. they're questioning the career path, they're questioning, you know, like what it means to be a man or how I can protect and provide for my family. You know, mm-hmm. these are a lot D, of the things that all men, of the above. These are a lot of the things that we really think about as men. Like, how mm-hmm. can we protect and provide our families? You know, am I doing everything in my career that I need to be doing? Mm-hmm. And just who am I as a man? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and those are really a lot of things that we struggle with as men, you mm-hmm. know, outside of, you know, who better LeBron or Michael, J- Michael Jordan, whatever the case may be like, mm-hmm. but those are a lot of the, our biggest concerns. And I think a lot of times when we express that, it scares females because mm-hmm. I think above all else, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I think above all else, women want to know that they're safe and secure in their mm-hmm. relationship. Meaning that if I see my man panic or worry, <clears throat> damn, I, I must got a panic and worry too because he's panicking and worrying. Why mm-hmm. is he worried? Why is he panicking? Mm-hmm. If he's panicking and worried, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to us? And a lot of times, you know, as men, we'll just keep it to ourselves. Like if we're struggling with something, if we're bothered mm-hmm. by something or we're trying to figure something out mm-hmm. and it's got us perplexed, it's got us stuck or something like that, we'll just keep that in. Because I think a lot of times for us as men, it's like we have to be seen as strong so many times. It's like mm-hmm. if I show you my vulnerability, if I'm vulnerable around you, you might hold that against me later in life or where it's like, you know, when you need to know that everything is safe and secure, it's like, well, you was like this back then, you know, how do I know everything's good? I don't need to be questioned. I got this. Let me figure it out. Pause. And, and because I, and I, and I, because you asked for my female perspective and I, I have to give you my female perspective as Dr. Lauren, but also as Lauren. So what, what I'm going to put this disclaimer out there, you know, I'm different. Right. So you already have some insight that what I'm going to say is probably not going to be popular, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. So here's part of the issue. Part of the issue is that this is the clinical part. Part of the issue is that there are a lot of people, not all, but there are a lot of people that are in relationships where the gender roles are reversed. So just metaphorically, you have the woman wearing the pants and the man wearing the skirt. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful. It's a metaphor. Just walk with me. So now you have this role reversal, right? And Mm -hmm. for many Black women, because of the disproportionate nature of what's going on in our communities with issues with incarceration, the download, like we have some, some key things that for a variety of reasons, there's these historic patterns where women are carrying the role of, or wearing the the role of man and woman in the household, right? So then the problem Mm -hmm. becomes, Ronnie, when you are in a situation and you actually do have a strong man, who's capable of providing, who's capable of guiding, who's capable of truly protecting and and keeping the family safe. Now there's a problem because you have these women that have been in the habit of making the decisions. You have these women that have been in the habit of getting it done, getting it done, getting it done. And they don't trust that the man that they're in a relationship with is going to be able to take care of A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And oh, by the way, don't mess around 
and make the mis- make a mistake and drop the ball somewhere because now you're into what you said for a moment that now it's hard to trust. And here's why right. it's hard to trust because it goes, and I think I mentioned it last week, but I'm going to mention it again just to illustrate. So an activity that I did, that I talked about, the chain breaking activity, you have to look at the 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 experiences that people have had that are evoking pain or fear. So in the context of the woman in the relationship, you have these women that many of which are from single parent home, not all, but a lot are from single parent homes. There might be a number of baby daddies. There, there's all of these different variables that we know that come into play that exist mm-hmm. in our in our communities. I know it did exist among white folks too, but right now we're talking about black folks, so don't get in your feelings. We, we, we have these broken home situations going on, right? So you have right. these experiences that have evoked fear. The fear now, to your point, is the panic and the anxiety. Huh, huh, huh. What if what if we end up homeless? Huh, huh, huh. What if the lights mm-hmm. get shut out? Huh, huh, huh. What if the car gets repossessed? Huh, huh, huh. What if we don't have no food? Huh, huh, huh. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And now you go one step further and oh, by the way, now you have these negative emotions coming up, right? What, what the, these negative feelings about yourself? Did I did I pick the wrong man again? Did 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 mm-hmm. I go wrong by trusting him? Did did I go wrong by us getting a joint bank account? Did you know what's wrong with me that I would think that I that I should and all of those things, right? And then oh oh, here's the here's the major problem, Ronnie. Those experiences, those fears, those negative feelings about oneself informs how the woman is expressing herself and how Mm -hmm. she's acting. And now the last step is you have all this negative self-talk that's going on, right? You got them voices in your head that's telling you, I know this and where he wasn't S in the first place. And I don't know why I ever trusted him to manage our finances and why I thought he was, I should have just did it myself because you know I'm better. I'm going to take care of these kids. I'm going to get it done. I don't need no man for nothing. I want it, mm-hmm. but I don't need it. And, and now we off to the races. And the problem is you got all this baggage from these current and historical issues that have evoked pain and fear and your interpretation wrong. The interpretation <laughs> is the connector that says, oh, this just like it was when I was with Hakeem. This just like it was when I was Gerald. This just like it was when I was Anne. With Anne. Mm-hmm. This just like it was when I was with Gerard. This just like it was when I was with Pete. No, boo. This Ronnie. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie ain't perfect. But Ronnie has been busting his behind to hold it down. Ronnie working six jobs. It's a mecca mom. He doing the darn thing. And the hard part for people to recognize is, and this is what I say to my clients, Ronnie, is this, is this a cognitive, based on a cognitive distortion? Mm. Or is this based on reality? Mm. And how people can challenge that, how women can challenge, am I, is this, my, my baggage, is this my junk mm. from before? Mm. Or has Ronnie consistently 
put us in a position where the car got repossessed, the house got foreclosed mm. on, the lights got shut off, the cable bill got shut off. We ain't had no food. We had to go on food stamps. The baby ain't had no pampers. The car ain't had no gas. And that list goes, oh, damn. We ain't never been in that situation since I've been with Ronnie. So I'm acting as if he Hakeem. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and I think, I think that's really important too. And I think I don't want this to sound sexist, but I'm gonna say it anyways. It's not, I'm not being sexist, but I think in any relationship, yes, you know, I think a woman should allow a man to lead, but not lead blindly. That's wisdom right like, there. Cause I say, I'll like, follow you, but I ain't following you to head. Or, right. And, and <laughs> I think, I, think I ain't going down with this shit. And I think a lot of times, and I, and I think a lot, and I'll, and I'll speak to men on because a lot of times when I think, see, I, well, I'm, I'm objective about myself. I know, I know what I'm doing. I'm supposed to be, and I know when I'm BSing, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I've never been the type of person to run from constructive criticism or critique, especially mm-hmm. in regards to being a man, because at the end of the day, I wholeheartedly believe that as a man, when I told my wife, I do on August 5th, 2018, I didn't just say I do to be your husband. I said, I do to be your provider, your protector, your lover, all those things, mm-hmm. you know, at a moment's notice, if, if something hits the fan, yeah, I'm, I'm, jump, I'm jumping out the window with no questions asked for my family and for my wife, because that's what I signed up to do. Right. We don't have it as a man. It's my job to go out there and get it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I always tell people like, now granted me and my wife are not in no type of financial situation where, you know, like we can just, you know, go off and do whatever we want. But what I have always told people, my my goal within my marriage, and this ain't for everybody because this isn't, you know, one size fits all. But for me, mm-hmm. the way I the way I see it is that it's my job to mm-hmm. provide a life and a space for my wife to if she wants to work, mm-hmm. if she wants to have a career, mm-hmm. all means, mm-hmm. do what you got to do. How can I help facilitate that? Yeah, yeah. It has never been my mindset and it never will be my mindset for my wife to have to be an equal provider alongside me Mm -hmm. because that's just ass backwards. Mm -hmm. Can I speak to that? Because I want to, and I want to make sure just in the instance of time that that we debunk some of these sports myths, but, but this was, this is good. This is good. One of the things that when you were saying that, I always think of Johnny Carson when his wife sued him, he was had to 300 million. Right. (laughs) But I think about that within the context of the wives or the intimate partners of professional athletes and for real, even now the collegiate athletes, because they're making serious loot on the name, image, and likeness, right? So does just because, and, and I'm just provoking thought, I, I don't, I don't want to get in discussion about this, but you know, I'm one of those people that had um, had my former husband gone pro or when I was with my son's father had he gone pro like it was understood i'm going to work not because mm-hmm. i have to but because i want to i have i've right. never ever ever had an interest in being a housewife <laughs> ever right. like i have hopes goals dreams and aspirations and the, the way my brain work is oh you balling you can fund my endeavors <laughs> but look I don't have to take out a small business loan. My husband's wealthy. Keep him moving and do the darn thing. 
And I'm glad you said that, that you want, and I think, you know, I think it's also important too. And this, and this is just, you know, from my perspective, I think, you mm -hmm. know, I always tell, I think, I think that one of the biggest things that I recognize in, in a lot of these newer, you know, the, the millennials and the Gen Zers and their relationships and mm -hmm. whatnot, is like you said, it's like, kind of like the roles reverse. Mm -hmm. For me, if my family ever goes down bad, if we ever just like, it just looks terrible, I mm -hmm. can promise you, if you line a hundred people in front of us, in front of me and my wife, and say, who's at fault? A hundred of them people are pointing at me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I keep that in the back of my mind because as a man, and you know, it, once again, we're not gonna get too deep into this conversation, mm -hmm. but I think as a man, I think there are certain principles, mm -hmm. biological principles that we have practiced for centuries. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to, can you provide and protect mm -hmm. for your family? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think for women, can you nurture and provide what's given to you by your loved one for mm -hmm. your family? Because mm -hmm. once again, not to not to diminish, you know, women's role in the workforce or anything like that. I think that's cool. Everything and all that. If y'all want to work, hey, understand it, there's no balance in this work life. shit. All right. Mm -hmm. Like whatever you are that day, whatever you have to be that day, that's what you have to be. If you got to mm -hmm. be for you, if you got to be a therapist and not necessarily a wife or a mother that day. That's, mm -hmm. what, that's what that day demands. If yeah. the next day you have to be more of a mother than a wife and a, a therapist, that's what that day demands. Mm -hmm. I think for men, I think we have to understand too, it's like, hey, yeah, I want to be at home chilling with my family now, but if I'm at home, mm -hmm. I'm not making money. Yeah, no, real talk. No, like, that's for so, real. You know, and once again, we're not going to, you know, dive too deep into that because that's a whole yeah. separate conversation. But, you know, I think for the men out there, understand this, like, you can be a lot of things in the world and that's cool and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But what you cannot be is lazy and you cannot mm -hmm. point the finger at your at your mm -hmm. wife or your loved one or whatever mm -hmm. when things ain't working out saying, well, what you not doing? Mm -hmm. That's not that's not being a man. I want to use so that to, to segue to the sports and, and we're going to play debunk the myth. Y'all, I'll just be throwing Ronnie on the bus. I don't tell him some stuff until the last minute. So um, one more thing before we start debunk the myth. Um the segue to the sports piece is this, right? And you've talked about it all the time, literally on every show since we've been on the air. And that is as an athlete during the season in particular, your schedule is so demanding. So during the season, if you're at playing at the collegiate level, your job is that sport. As a professional athlete, your job is that sport. So, you know, there, there's an understanding that comes with that, right? Even at the high school level, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like I knew even at the high school level, like, yo, he's got practice and films and everything else. He's not getting home until seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. I might get a phone call, good night, love you, but That's it. that was it, traveling, right? And, and back, you know, back in the day, we didn't have cell phones. So it was like if if Andre's dad was, you know, travel, he played for William and Mary. It's like if they were away, I knew that I would see him at the game on Saturday because I went to all his games, whether they were home or away. But during the week, the conversation was slim because it's all of the job was the sport. Now, when right. you transition to the professional realm, it's like the, the intensity right now. Ain't nobody think um, Swagoo said it. <laughs> he said it on ESPN the other day. He said, this is the playoffs. He said, I ain't worried about my wife. I ain't, he didn't mean it in a malicious way. I ain't worried about my wife. I ain't worried about my kids. I ain't worried about nothing else. I'm worried about winning this game 
and advancing. That's it's mm-hmm. tunnel vision is the focus. And, and you would think that there's an understanding about that. So I just wanted to put that out there from a clinical relational context. So debunk the myth. I'm gonna give you the myth in a minute and a half, two minutes or less, debunk the myth. Offense sells tickets, defense wins games and championships. Mm. You know I was gonna come out blazing. I, I I have to yes I think I think we see that now in the NFL especially you know um, the last few years where yes people want to see high scoring games you know people don't want to see 10-7 or 14-10 games no more you know mm-hmm. um, offense does sell tickets you know but I think what we've also seen and, and, and it's, it's tried and true if you go back and look at all the if you go back and look at every Super Bowl team that's won the game Mm-hmm. more times than not two solid things must always remain the ability mm-hmm. to run the ball and the mm-hmm. ability to have a solid defense that might bend but do mm-hmm. not break mm-hmm. and you know very rarely do we ever see where a team just throws it up and down the field during you know the playoff mm-hmm. run or a super bowl run mm-hmm. and actually win we've seen a lot of teams put up a lot of points but because their defense can't hold water mm-hmm. they always lose i.e look at the kansas city chiefs before they finally broke through their yeah. defense, they could put up a lot of points with anybody, yeah. but their defense also gave up as many points as anybody. The moment they got um, 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 Spagnola, I think it was that, yeah, Spagnola, mm-hmm. uh, D mm-hmm. coordinator. As soon as they got mm-hmm. him in there, got a couple key pieces. They got Tyron Matthew, mm-hmm. they got another person, Chris Jones, and everything. Uh-huh. Won the championship. So, yes, offense does sell tickets, but yes, defense does win championships at the end of the day. If you don't have a solid defense that can when you need it the absolute most, when you mm-hmm. absolutely need it. And you mm-hmm. also need a running back that can run the clock down when you got that lead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think that, I think that is true. I think that's very true. Okay. Most games are won on the practice field. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. The game people, you know, people don't understand that, you know, like, and, and you'll hear this, it's kind of a cliche, but it's actually, it, it's really true. Practice should always be harder than the actual game. Wow. If the game, if the game is harder than practice, you're not practicing hard enough. Wow. Now, what I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, yeah, obviously, as you get later into the season, are you gonna be thumping and hitting and things like that as much as you were in you know, mm-hmm. preseason and stuff like that? Probably not. Depend on your coach. You know, our coach mm-hmm. didn't care if it was week one or week 14, you know, mm-hmm. we were out there thumping on Tuesdays and Wednesdays like we just started the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, to each his own. However, I can't stress enough, and, and I had to learn this the hard way. I, I can't stress enough how if you really maximize your practice time, how much easier the game is on Saturday or Sunday, how much yeah. things slow down for you. Mm-hmm. watching film and it's not just practicing it's perfect practice not perfect practice mm-hmm. but really really good practice because you can go out there and practice mm-hmm. but you can practice bad habits too mm-hmm. so that's good for me for me like one of the things that and, and I didn't really get good at this until like my final two years but one of the things I really tried to get good at was like for each practice day what was mm-hmm. my objective during practice so like for example Tuesdays was always kind of like our inside zone and, you know, kind of our, like our, our nitty gritty plays, like, those, mm-hmm. you know, third and short, second and short type of plays mm-hmm. and stuff the like two that. two-minute drills. Well, we did that on Thursday. I love, oh, mm-hmm. I love, I used to love two-minute Thursdays. That was so much fun. Mm-hmm. But even during those times, like, for me, like, if we were doing inside zone and stuff like that, so for me, I would focus on my technique on having to 
either reach a three mm-hmm. technique or a nose guard, like what that looks like and really mm-hmm. practice my steps and stuff. So that way, mm-hmm. when I got to the game, I'm not trying to figure out what step works best. I already have okay. a couple of tools in my belt to know what to use mm-hmm. for two minute Thursdays. I never forget. Our coach used to always give us the most outlandish situations on Thursday. We was always mm-hmm. down by four. So we always mm-hmm. had to get a touchdown. Mm-hmm. The most time we ever had was maybe a minute, 30 minute, 45. Wow. We all the way on our either 10 yard line, 15 yard line. We ain't never start past the 50. And you had to drive down the field and score. And if you didn't score, you had extra running after practice. So, oh wow, yeah, like, but it really, it really helped us hone in and focus on the little things. Practice Mm -hmm. is where you work on the little things, the things that actually matter. Mm -hmm. So the stuff can come back to bite you in the butt. You mean like making making field goals? And guess what? If a coach tell you something in practice and say, "Don't be surprised this happened on Saturday or Sunday," and it happened on Saturday or Sunday, and you ain't ready for it. Best believe that next film session, he's gonna be like, Now I told y'all mm. during the week, this is mm. what happened. You will see this look. And let me talk. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. Okay. Practice is really important. The next one is controversial. Athletes mm. don't use steroids to help them perform better. Well, we know that's true. We know there's athletes out there that use it. Now, I will say this. Um, I think if steroids gave as much of it as much as an advantage as people think they do, mm-hmm. a I think more people would use them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I they're illegal, probably, aren't they considered illegal though, Ronnie? Like, they, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're illegal. When, they're when illegal they get drug the tested, they're looking for performance enhancement drugs, right? They're looking for a little bit of everything at the collegiate, you know, at the I, NCAA level, and at the pro mm-hmm. level. Oh yeah, and I, okay. so I think. I think steroids can help you, you know, obviously put on more muscle. They can make you look Mm -hmm. more fit. They can get you Mm -hmm. in better shape and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I think the higher levels you get, if you don't have the talent and just the the ability to go out there and perform the job, doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how fast you are, how strong you are, Mm -hmm. you know, how good you look, you know, with a shirt on, with a shirt off, whatever the case may be, Mm -hmm. like, Yes, can steroids give you a uh, a more maybe a physical advantage as being stronger, mm-hmm. tougher, and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Possibly, but at the end of the day, you got to go out there and perform. And mm-hmm. I, so I, I used a great example of Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. I think we all I think we all know Barry Bonds was using you know some type of uh, performance enhancer. Enhanced, enhanced. However, I don't think nobody who really knows baseball or really watches baseball would argue that from I think 1989 or 90 whenever he came into major leagues until Mm -hmm. he got to the San Francisco Giants Mm -hmm. you could literally take his first 10 years in the MLB when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates and stuff Mm -hmm. and he was a hall of famer Mm -hmm. you know like a lot of people and and for those who don't believe me go back and look at Barry Bonds in the 90s phenomenal phenomenal outfielder phenomenal hitter could steal bases was crafty, was it could hit, you know, short field, uh, midfield, uh, could just mm-hmm. was a phenomenal athlete. Now, when he got to San Francisco and he got older, did the steroids probably help him hit a few more home runs? Yeah. But I also think too, like he was a phenomenal home run hitter. That was what he was good at. So I think it can make you a little bit better, but I think, you know, the myth that steroids mm-hmm. make you a hall of fame athlete. I don't think that's true. Um, okay. I don't think that's true at all. Okay. 
Now the next one, and I'm like, you know, I giggle. And and it it you tend to hear more about it with boxers. Um, <laughs> but should athletes should abstain from sex before a big game mm. or a match or or a tournament. So I've I've I have heard I, I have heard about this numerous times um he, he's looking for his G language y'all he's looking for his G language because right now he had triple X like a mud he's looking for his G reframe I'm looking for it. I don't see it anywhere. Um, I think that is a very, 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 very subjective um, take. Okay. Um, to each his own. Okay. Um, I would like to think that, uh, you know, uh, getting a little relief prior to a game. Um, there's been times where, you know, went out there and I felt like a brand new man, you know. I will, well, I will say this. I don't think there was ever a point if I participated in something like that, where I just went out there. It impeded just, your play. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, for me, I, you know, now, once again, I was not an Olympic athlete, uh, a boxer, mm -hmm. uh, anything like that, where, you know, um, you need whatever they say you need from your, um, you know, um, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, nah, um, I don't think that's true. Okay. I, for me personally, for me personally, you know. Okay. Um maybe if we had a, a higher performing athlete who, you know, might might disagree with you. <laughs> they might disagree, but I yeah, I can't, I can't even even in high school, you know, like even in high school, the day of the game, you know, I can't even mm -hmm. no, nah, can't think nope. Okay. The quarterback is the most important position in football. <sighs> Yes, and I might be a little biased here. I might be. A little I heard biased. that the center is the most important position. <laughs> That's why I heard. I had heard that the most important position is the center. You need to. You need to keep that source around you, then. Because the quarterback would never get the ball if it wasn't for you. All I know is now, now, now. Granted, now I will say this though. <sighs> Quarterback is extremely important. I will not lie about that. It is extreme. Oh Lord, here we go. <laughs> quarterback, quarterback is extremely important. I I will agree to that. <laughs> um, but I, I I strongly believe without a solid, solid, solid offensive line. Mm -hmm. I don't care how good your quarterback is. I don't care how good your receivers mm -hmm. are or your running back are. If you do not have an above average to great offensive line, your quarterback will not make it. Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when like, you know, you need somebody out there who's going to make the final decisions and put the ball in the best people's hands and make the right decisions. Is that important? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um but I think a lot of times linemen don't get the credit they deserve for how important our job is mm -hmm. to make sure that the quarterback has enough time to make those decisions. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because just like when he walks up to the line, he's reading the defense and everything like that too. Those mm-hmm. five men that break the huddle and walk up to the line, mm-hmm. they're constantly talking. They're constantly communicating. I mean, all the way down to actually the snap. And then even after the snap, we're still expected to talk, communicate, mm-hmm. and work as a tandem. Because mm-hmm. if we don't, if you don't have five people who mm-hmm. are working together in unison, like a synchronized swimming team, mm-hmm. it'll get ugly out there. You yeah. know, so yes, I, quarterbacks are really important. They are. Mm-hmm. Um but if I'm being a little biased and rooting for my for my for my trench warfare out there, I think you know linemen are you know really important as well too. You know, like for example, like today, you know, there's a team playing tonight at eight fifteen who um, their line is a little a little you know not what it was at the beginning of the season, um, and we saw that because it wasn't like that at the beginning of the season that you know. Their quarterback has been, you know, doing a little bit more dancing and scrambling and stuff like that. So um, all I know is, is that the Giants have a D lineman who got first team all pro. All pro. Um, um, uh, um, they can't if, account for they him. can't account for him. It's going to be a very long night for, uh, for uh, Jalen Hurts and company. But I'm just, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal quarterback. But um, if uh, Jason, Jason Kelsey and them got their hands full tonight. So, uh, yeah, we're going to see how good, you know, how important the quarterback is going to be tonight. I'm just saying. Just saying. Hey, Eric, how you doing, sir? Hey, doing? Ronnie Ransom. What's going on with you, man? <laughs> Nothing much, man. You know, just talking some good old sports myths, you know. <laughs> Nothing too crazy. <laughs> Nothing too crazy, myth. man. Okay. So, you know, I won't go sit here and let you, you know, just talk trash on my team without me coming out and saying anything. I said, I have to get on. Wait a minute, what's going on here? So number one, Mr. Mr. Ransom, and if I'm off topic, excuse me, viewers. You said my you team got, wasn't- you got, you got 90 seconds. You said my team, they weren't good front runners. I'm only going to give you half a quotation, right? Um, and and you, you, you say foolishness every week, Ronnie, I got to tell you. Um, but this was going to happen tonight. Um, we're going to beat the New York Giants, the New York football Giants. And we're going to advance. That's it. That's okay. all I got. Okay. All right. Thank you, husband. Uh, give, look, now, provider, get back to work. Look, <laughs> you heard what he said a few minutes ago. Get back to work earning them provider donuts. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm out. I got some stuff I need. <laughs> Amen. All right, man. Appreciate you joining in, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love it. Is going to win. Say that again. The team that wants it most is going to win. Mm, I wanted to win every year. You know, I wanted to win really bad. <laughs> I said the most. The team that wants if it the I, most is going to win. I should. If I had, if I had it my way, shoot, I, I wanted to win a national championship every single year. I wanted it so bad. Um, now nah, I, I don't. I, you know. See, I always tell people there's a difference between motivation and discipline. Motivation is a feeling. Mm-hmm. Discipline is behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, motivation can spark, you know, a, a feeling that carries mm-hmm. you over. Um, but sometimes, you know, you just run in, you run into a situation where you can want something really, really bad. But if you do mm-hmm. not have the action behind it, mm-hmm. you know, if, if sports was all about who wants it the most, you know, everybody would get, everybody would get a participation trophy. You know, right. professionals, right. collegiate, high school, everybody would get a participation trophy if it mm-hmm. was about who wants it the most. 
Um, I would like to think that if you are going to subject your body to playing sports, whether it's football, mm-hmm. basketball, baseball, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and want to be good at it, want to be successful at it, yeah, you probably do want it. And you probably, mm-hmm. in your mind, believe you want it more than the other person across from you. Mm-hmm. But in the famous words of Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> Thanks. Some people are just born with a with strong mental toughness. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think that one's true. Okay. I, I do I have a, a scientific explanation behind it? No. But there are just some people who are just they're just wired differently. So do, so do, does that mean that athletes can't build and strengthen their mental toughness? You can absolutely. You okay. can. Okay. Um, but I mean, like, the, I, I think mental toughness is is no different than talent. S- some people have it. Like for me, like mm-hmm. I wasn't a, a, a guy. I always tell people, you know, me and my sister were completely different. Like mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't the most talented person on a football field. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had to work extremely hard mm-hmm. to just be half as good as some of the people out there. Mm-hmm. My sister, on the other hand, I mean, she could watch something. She could watch somebody do something one time and she had it. And it wasn't wow. even like my sister just had God given talent that you just doesn't you do not see at all. Like, I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. at all. Like, but she it's was rare just, is what you're saying. She was supremely gifted with athletic mm-hmm. ability. And it used to piss me off so much because mm-hmm. like I had to work, like I had to mm-hmm. really, really, I, I was not the most coordinated person, the most hard mm-hmm. I mean, not, no. she on the other hand could wake up and figure out something and just be like, all right, cool. I'm good to go. And I'm just like, yeah. how's she doing? Ah. So yeah, yeah uh, I think, yeah. Um, some people just got it. You don't have to enjoy the sport to be successful. Hmm. I disagree with that. I disagree okay. with that. I what? think um, you don't have to be in love with it all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I had a I had a love hate relationship with football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, like football will always be my first love. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I'll tell people despite the injuries, everything that mm-hmm. happened, would I do it all over again blindfully? Absolutely. Would, would, with a thousand percent confirmation, I will hop my ass back out there on the football field and do what I got to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. But did I love everything about it? Absolutely not. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, what? Okay. Some of the I'm winter workouts we was doing was just inhumane some mornings. Like it's 15 degrees outside. We out here with t-shirts and shorts running up and down on a, I remember, I kid you <laughs> T-shirt not. and your panties on. <laughs> if anybody, if anybody's ever been on Virginia State's campus, you know this, like our old track used to be orange. Like mm-hmm. the old track used to be orange. I kid you not. We will be out there some mornings for winter workouts. The track was white with ice. Oh, gosh. Fire track. And we out there ice skating, trying to run 100-yard sprints and everything. Um, I, I always tell people this. If, you're, if your heart is not in it, you set mm-hmm. yourself up to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking okay. emotionally hurt either. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that... I, I think that when you enjoy it, it'll be instrumental in helping you to go further in your performance right. and, and overall productivity. So why, what are you doing it for at that point? Right. Like you don't have, you don't, you don't have nothing else better to do. Get beat up every week and then and put your body through hell. That makes and sense. And if you're not a professional, really, what the hell are you doing it for if you, if your heart ain't in right. it? Like why? 
All right. I'm going to get a couple more in because we're out of time, but I want to get a couple more in because I just think it's a fun topic. Go ahead. More training leads to a better mental and physical performance. Um, I'll say 60, 40, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, um, yes, the, the more you train and stuff like that, does that give you does that give you an advantage? And I know a lot of people think, you know, like Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant's mama mentality and stuff like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you train and the more you prepare, mm-hmm. can that help you? Absolutely. But I think also as much as training and preparing, is, I think you also have the adequate rest and the adequate, you know, refueling, mm-hmm. the adequate, you mm-hmm. know, time off to give your body a rest because yes, can you overwork your body? Yeah, I think, and I mm-hmm. think, you know, not to go too deep into it, but I think that's what we're seeing a lot now with a lot of these, um, you know, these younger kids who like play, Mm -hmm. for example, basketball. Mm -hmm. A lot of these kids, if they make it to the NBA, a lot of these times, by the time they're 22, 23, their knees are shot because Mm -hmm. they literally play basketball all year round on a a hardwood Mm -hmm. court all year round from hell, the age of five, six, all the way through 18, 19. Yeah, so I think, you know, you everything is good in moderation yes you can work your butt yeah. off work out four or five yeah. times a day but if you're not getting adequate rest if you're not refueling your body if you're not taking care of your body outside of the gym or the football field or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be it can be a detriment yeah yeah and that's what i was going to say is that research shows that excessive training can lead to injuries inefficient work and ultimate decline in mental and athletic performance so that's a big Absolutely. one for people to be mindful of um give you two more i want to switch and ask you a couple about nutrition and then you can wrap us up and close us out simple carbs are bad hell no (laughs) hell no 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 look i don't care if you play a sport work at a nine to five (laughs) office job in a cubicle carbs are not bad can we please stop with this tomfoolery that carbs are bad Look, once again, like, is too much of something bad? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But bruh, for now, look, I am no nutritionist or dietitian in any slight of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But with being a big person all my life and being an athlete for half my life, mm-hmm. I do know my way around a little bit around nutrition. Mm-hmm. Everything is good in moderation. Mm-hmm. Even that greasy McDonald's McDouble is good in moderation. <laughs> Once again, now the the real culprit in carbs is sugar. You know, that's the can, that's the, can I add to that? Finish your thought, and then I want to I want to say something about that. Go ahead. So the the real culprit is processed sugars and unnatural sugars. That's the real mm-hmm. culprit culprit in carbs. But mm-hmm. carbs itself are they bad? Hey, look, you know what my you know what my pregame meal was in college for four mm-hmm. years before the game. Mm-hmm. Big old plate of spaghetti. A piece of bread on the side, some chicken, and then I might have me a little piece of cake. You know, I might slide me a little piece of cake in there just for, you know, a little sweet or whatever. You know, just give me a little egg. But but a big old plate of spaghetti. I mean, a big old plate. So the nutritional research says that carbohydrate is by far the preferred currency of energy by the body. They're easily broken down and provide energy to the working bodies quickly. While it's recommended that we mainly include complex carbohydrates in our diets, there are some situations where simple sugar is ideal. And then the other part is that simple carbs also have a key role to play in recovery. 
immediately post-training when blood sugar is low and glycogen stores depleted, having some easily digestible carbohydrate will raise insulin and allow the body to replace carbohydrate quickly into the body. Um, ooh. Eat them Athlete. carbs, y'all. Mm. <laughs> Eat them carbs. Hell wrong with you. Athletes carbs. should avoid caffeine. I, I don't know why. Now I will say, now I will say this though. Um, I used to be one of them ignorant little fools that thought that you could take a five-hour energy before a game and it would work. So now, well, I'm so my opinion on this one might not be the best one because honestly, mm-hmm. I was having I was actually having this conversation with somebody a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Caffeine don't do to me what I think caffeine should do to the rest of the world, if that makes sense. Like, for example, okay. and, and I have tried this more times than not. Mm-hmm. I could make myself a, a coffee at like mm-hmm. eight, nine o'clock at night. I could drink it. Mm-hmm. And if I, let's say, for example, let's say if I drink at eight or nine o'clock at night and I said, I'm going to sleep mm-hmm. at 11. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sleep at 11. <laughs> I'm not one of them people. So I. Why do they say you shouldn't have caffeine um, as an athlete or before a game? Like, did they, was there a correlating it, behind it? It it, it just says, that, well, to your point, six, it says there are many athletes who believe caffeine should be avoided entirely. Consumed to excess, caffeine can cause jitters and other issues, but a reasonable amount is absolutely fine and can even give performance benefits. So there is some research that shows that caffeine can be really useful in performance. Science has shown that a value of one to three milligrams per kilograms of body weight, 30 minutes prior to training or towards the last 20 minutes of competition can help to reduce the perceived exertion and fatigue. Okay. Now I will say this though. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think, uh, and I think I will say this because I think mm-hmm. this is, I think this is very subjective depending on one's uh you know cardiovascular health and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um what I'm not saying is you should go out there and chug a whole bunch of monsters, Red Bulls and stuff like mm-hmm. that before a game or anything mm-hmm. like that because mm-hmm. there are plenty of of research, there's plenty of reports out there mm-hmm. of people drinking a monster or a Red Bull mm-hmm. or something like that prior mm-hmm. to eat, help, going to work, game mm-hmm. or something like that. And, you know, they suffer some type of cardiac arrest, some type of, mm. you know, heart attack or something because, mm-hmm. you know, caffeine, yes, but you also got to think like, you know, <coughs> a lot of these energy drinks and sports drinks is not just caffeine that's fueling it. You got taurine, you got guarine, you got all these other natural uh, caffeine supplements that, hey, look, <laughs> I always tell people, they say what they're putting in there is, is, is healthy and stuff for you, but... Uh-huh. I mean, if you do your own research and stuff like that, you'll realize that a lot of these ingredients and a lot of these things, yeah, I don't think caffeine is a culprit as much as the other stuff that go along with the drinks and things that people consume. So, okay. um, yeah, I mean. I got three bad. more and you'll appreciate these. Fat makes you fat. Um. No, I, I would disagree with that. Um, protein can make you fat. Carbs can make you fat. Mm-hmm. I think, now I can touch on this topic because I got plenty of experience. Now I've been a fat person my entire life. All right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the one thing I will say is though, um, I, I can't sit there and say fat is the reason I've been fat my entire life. 
Um, okay. Overeating is the reason I've been big my entire <laughs> life. And it wasn't Healthy just place. that. Yeah, okay. you know. Um, but they call so it yeah, hand mouth disease. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, you know, um, my, my, my curl game is strong with the fork and everything, you know, just real strong, you know, so, but no, I don't think fat makes you fat. Um, now, can too much fat make you fat? I mm. think in that case, fat will be the least of your concerns if you eat that much fat, you know, right. <laughs> heart attack, throat, you know, I think those would be your biggest Everything. concerns. So this is what the research says. Like carbohydrates, fats have got an unfairly bad reputation, thanks in part to the low-fat diet trend of the 90s and the early 2000s. But healthy fats are an essential part of a positive diet, promoting healthy joints, skin, hair, and more. Fats are also key for endurance. <clears throat> We actually need to include essential fats such as nuts, seeds, avocados, oils, and oily fish in order to absorb fat-soluble vitamins such as D and E, which are really important for endurance athletes. Okay, cool. Slimmer equals faster. Mm, maybe, in, maybe in horseback riding, the smaller you are, the faster your horse goes. Yeah, it's an awesome. Many those, athletes, are real, those are the real athletes is the horses not the horse riders so many athletes seeking to emulate an elite body type can end up impairing and performance in the process there's a very fine line regarding weight and performance lighter doesn't always make you faster if you push the body too far to a point where it loses muscle mass over body fat you not only lose power but also speed you know who's a great comparison for this? I'm listening. Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders. They both mm -hmm. ran around the same 40 times. Mm -hmm. Bo Jackson probably got about 60 pounds on Deion in their prime. Wow. Wow. And I mean. And they hey, still did he did it. Did it. <clears throat> hey, they say Bo Jackson ran like a 419, something like that. Deion ran a 412. The fact that they both ran a four one, one person about 220, 230, the other mm -hmm. one's about a buck 70, buck 80. Mm -hmm. Hey. Okay. So then the research says it's important to fuel properly for the activity you're doing. If you put the body in too big a deficit, it goes into comp compensatory behaviors, meaning that the body starts to downregulate biological processes a bit like a smartphone on low battery. If you mm -hmm. push your body too far below where it is optimal for you, it will not be sustainable and will have negative consequences to both health and performance mm. that's all i got ronnie that was a fun hey, look, I was i'm fast i'm faster than a lot of skinny people too it's like people think wow. you know my size and everything mm. hey look <laughs> all right you you? Wayne. The, the first 10 yards though after 10 yards it's fair game you know i'm like a, am like an alligator I'm, I'm i'm quick within a short distance after that you know okay. it's gonna take a while you know hey grizzly bears are like almost 800 900 pounds and can run 35 miles an hour yeah they, so, they will catch you <laughs> you know they can run a they you know they can run 100 yards in eight seconds really that's why they tell yards. you don't run from me just just stand there and let them eat you <laughs> yo can you see something that big running 100 yards in eight seconds look let me oh. tell you why i would be dinner because if I turn around and see a grizzly bear, I'm going to faint. He, I'm an easy meal. He don't even have to work for me. All you gotta do is eat. Cause I'm, uh, I'm gone. Man, hey, look, you you see a grizzly bear? They about 150, 200 yards out. You like, I got it. You start, you start uh, jogging. You turn around. You like, 
Oh. And he's like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, just because you're smaller don't mean you run faster. No, indeed. All right, Ronnie, <laughs> close this out. Say something slick. Go ahead. I know you got it in you. I know you got it in you. Well, I'll, I'll I'll end with our I'll end with my predictions for this week's divisional round. So uh, um, the, the first the game, the, the first game we have um, um, uh, Ch- Kansas City versus Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll be an entertaining game. I don't think uh, Trevor Lawrence will throw four interceptions. Don't in think the first Sunshine gonna do it. Sunshine. I think he'll keep. I think. I will say this. I think Jacksonville is not as scared as can uh, scared of Kansas City as probably people think they would be. Once mm-hmm. again, I think Kansas City's biggest Achilles heel this year again is their defense. Mm. They don't have Tyrant, they don't have Tyron Matthew on the defense no more. Mm-hmm. Um they've been decent, but there there's still some some very stark concerns that they have in the in the mm. secondary and as a defense. So Mm-hmm. Um, and Jacksonville has a hell of a squad on offense. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know people really look at their look, offense. Like, know, their offense is not a slouch. Oh I, yeah, I'm aware. You know, yeah, we're, yeah, we're you aware. know. I, so, I have Kansas City winning a uh, a relatively closer ball game than people think. I have Kansas City winning 31 to 20. Okay. Um, I think Kansas City will pull away in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, then the night game, we have the Eagles and the Giants. And, you know, I, I have said this uh, before the show, during the show, and I'll say it after the show. Um, I think the Eagles are trending down. I think they peaked way too early in the season. I think, you know, yes, people can sit there and say Jalen Hurts getting injured and whatnot was a factor in all that. Cool. It wasn't just Jalen Hurts. They've lost a couple linemen. They've had a couple injuries on defense. And their defense has not been the same in a long time. They had a couple key injuries on defense. They had um, the boy Davis from Georgia. He was a rookie. That was he's six six three fifty in the middle of defensive line. I mean, who's moving him? You didn't have him for a while. So, mm-hmm. and I think I think the Giants are playing on house money. I think the Giants really have like you know, hey, we ain't even supposed to be here right now. Like, but well, mm-hmm. here we are. I think if Daniel Jones does not turn the ball over. I think if Daniel Jones can continue to play the game he's been playing, where if he doesn't see it to throw it, hey, use your legs. You're good at that. Mm-hmm. I think the Giants. I have the Giants winning 27-24 in a very very close ball game. I have the Giants winning 27-24. Um, okay. Then we have our first game tomorrow: um, Bills versus Bengals. I think that will be the most entertaining game of the weekend. I think that will be the game of the weekend. Um, for all of us, we know a month ago, unfortunately, the game didn't get to see its fruition and come to an yeah. end and whatnot. Um, he's so doing really well. He is. Yes, he's doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think barring any, you know, any unforeseen incidents like that happening again, you know, we right. get to see the full game. I like the Bengals in a close one. I have the Bengals winning, I say, 30 to 24, 30, 27. I got the Bengals winning by at least less than a touchdown. I think that'd be a really good game. The thing to watch in that game is though, the Bengals are down three starting offensive linemen. Mm. So they did say that yesterday. They're down three all starting offensive linemen, but we also saw last year in the division around when they played Tennessee, mm-hmm. they gave up nine sacks in the game and still won. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now now um Buffalo is Buffalo has a way better offense than Tennessee. So mm-hmm. if the Bengals give up nine sacks today, um, you know, I don't like their chances. But also to the flip side, Josh Allen has the turnover bug, you know. Mm. So that's something I think that'd be a good game. And then last but not least, we have the 49ers and the Cowboys. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dallas is <laughs> on cloud nine right now because they finally won a road playoff game since before I was even born, um, literally. Um, so I will say this, and you know, Dr. Piss knows I like to, you know, go back and forth with her about her about her illustrious team and everything. Um, if if Dallas can control the ball, run the ball, and Dak not turn the ball over, I think the Cowboys have a really, really, really good chance. Really, really good chance. On the other side, if Brock Purdy wakes up tomorrow morning and realizes that he's a rookie quarterback, the last pick in the uh, most recent draft, and a third-string quarterback playing in an NFC Divisional playoff game, and he gets absolutely scared, Dallas has a chance. I think I think what we've seen in San Francisco is is not really so much who the quarterback is, it's the system. They have a phenomenal <clears throat> offensive system that at this point you can plug you can plug and play a quarterback. Now, I will say this also for San Francisco. If Brock Purdy, if if you leave it in Brock Purdy's hands to win the game, I don't like their chances. I think I think if they can get a lead and get him comfortable and get Christian McCaffrey going and stuff like that, I think it makes the game easier for Brock Purdy. But if San Francisco comes out and finds himself maybe tied down seven, down 10, deep in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, and everybody turns to Brock Purdy and say, all right, well, you know, deliver us to the championship, I think San Francisco might find that a taller task than they probably assumed. So with all that being said, um, I have San Francisco winning a close ball game. I have San Francisco winning, um, I'll give it 35-28 or 35-31. I think it'll be a lot closer game um, than people think. Um, I think Dallas will make it really competitive. Um, you know, I was and I was saying, I told Dr. Piss, I, I said this. If Dallas wins, whoever wins this game tomorrow will, win, will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, I think the Eagles and Giants are irrelevant at this point. I think both of them are just there because they're the final other two, other, the other final four teams in the NFC. So I think they're just there to be there. Whoever wins between the Cowboys and 49ers will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, but I do have San Francisco winning uh, at least 35-28. Um, so, yeah, um, okay. we'll see. You know. So before you say telephone goodbye, my mommy's birthday is Thursday. Happy birthday early, Paulette, Lily, and Pitts. My mommy's gonna be seventy six next Thursday. Yay! My, my, my fellow, Happy my birthday, fellow mommy. Aquarian. Happy birthday, mommy. Happy birthday. Way to represent us, Aquarians out there. Happy birthday. Happy look. The gift be on the step. There's the moment. I got proud. <laughs> yeah, it was all proud. Yeah. Great show. This was a great show. I had fun today. This yeah, was really fun. good stuff. So, the so yeah, so look, okay. y'all, thank you for checking in with us. As always, catch us back here next week, same time, same place. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, MySpace, LinkedIn, everywhere that we know we're supposed to be. Um, oh, hope y'all have a, a beautiful and prosperous weekend, and we'll check back in next week. All right. Bye, everybody.